Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I talk with Michelle Kenny, a certified parenting coach, about how yelling, color charts, and punishments can be detrimental to our children and how we can parent challenging situations with connection instead. You know, even the modern generation has a hard time with letting go of uh, rewards and punishments and shame and guilt and all of that stuff because that's what was done to us. And somehow it's triggering when a kid says no, or when a kid talks back, or it becomes very triggering for anybody, because I don't think many of us were raised in a conscious way. That's it's just now emerging. And so we all of us were raised with rewards and punishments and to to pull away from that is a big ask. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Well, hello, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. So happy you're here. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. Excited to dive in. I am too. I know we were chatting a little bit before we actually pressed record, and there's so many things I know that we want to talk about today. I have just been completely intrigued by some of your posts um, that you have posted on Instagram, your Peace and Parenting um, page, uh, about you know being a child's first bully and you know a lot about shame and punishments and rewards. And so there's a lot we need to dive into today. Um, but you're a certified parenting coach. And so I know you do this for a living. I mean, you, you talk to parents all the time about all these things. But before we dive in, I know something that's kind of been a top of mind because I know parents come to me about it. I know even in my own marriage, I, I see it come up often is parents that parent differently, yeah. right? So maybe one spouse or one partner parents one way, maybe they're more of a mindful, gentle, you know, conscious parenting, um, you know, model of parenting. And then the other spouse or the other partner maybe does more punishments and shame yeah. and yelling and things like that. How do you get parents on the same page when it comes to parenting their children? Or is that even possible? Lots and lots of sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people come to me with that idea, right? Can we, you get us on the same page? And sometimes we really do get on the same page and I'll, I'll, I'll sway, you know, the more traditional person our way. Once we talk, start talking about brain science and how it really affects you. And if they're committed to join, you know, into some sessions or if they're committed to reading the books or if they're committed to doing something, sometimes you can help sway them your way. But I'd say in general, Parents parent differently, whether you adhere to the same ideology or not. Your child is experiencing parenting through two, through two different people, and that's okay. That really is okay. Right. Um, and I'd, I'd say the other thing is, is that 
you don't want to be the person telling your partner how to parent. It is not the greatest place to be in your relationship. Yeah, I'm all I've noticed that firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't usually ever go well there. <laughs> no, let them fall down, right? Let them and then say after they do, be like, you know, it looks like you had a hard time with, you know, Maria today. Do you want to talk about it? As opposed to be like, you can't shame her. You can't do that. You know, we we don't use timeout in this house. It's like, okay, but just like our kids, nobody wants to be corrected like that by the people they love the most. They want to have, and especially with your adults, I think you want to have an inquiry, like, how how did that feel? It looked like it was really hard. What can we do to make it better? How can I help you? How can we support each other? What do you think the best, like, really being your your partner's supporter, an empathic supporter, like, I'm sorry, you had a hard time, even when you know in your head, like, yeah, well, if you wouldn't have yelled at him, he wouldn't have been freaking out. But in the back of your head, it'd be like, really, you had a hard time. Like, can you have empathy for your partner? Because that way you can draw them in and now you can have the good conversation because you have influence. You're not going to have influence if you put them on the defensive, just like our kids. This is why we don't want to punish them because we put them on the defensive. We put somebody on the defensive. They don't want to have a conversation with you. Right. And it definitely undermines them. At least that's what my husband tells me when I when I interject, you know, doing, well, it's hard, you know, it's hard. I mean, maybe you feel the same way, but me as a quote unquote parenting expert, it's hard for me to sit back and watch another person parent my children. I mean, I know it's his too, but parent my children in a way that seems so wrong to me, right? Just professionally. And then yeah. personally, my mama bear comes out. So when I see someone, you know, somewhat attacking my kids, you know, in so many words, for lack of a better word, it, it you know, emotionally is distressful to see that and to yeah. see the child crying and then the, your, your spouse yelling at them and you're saying, oh my gosh, you're making it worse and you're damaging them. And, you know, you want to interject, but you know, like you said, it's not the best way, but it's it's by example, just show them what a good parent looks like. And by the way, we mess up too. And then of course, when we mess up, if we've called them out now, they're like, Oh, well you yell, you yelled at him yesterday. Like, you know, then it's like, now what are we going to do? Now we got ourselves in a real bad place. Right. So it's like, by example, show them what a good parent looks like, how you want it done, model to them what you want it to look like. They'll glean from you. If it starts to look good for them, they will start to move that way. Exactly. Exactly. And it's hard. Like I said, I am I come from a mantra of honoring children, respecting them, letting them have a voice. You know, you hear a lot of adults out there who were raised in a different generation. You know, our parents were definitely from a different generation than even we are. And now our kids are going to be in raising kids to be respectful obey their parents, you know, all of those things. And kids didn't really have a voice, you know, 20 years ago when they were being raised 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, you just did what you were told. You didn't really have a say in anything. And things are changing so much these days. And there's so much more education from people like you and me that are helping parents understand that that's not the only way. And just because you were raised that way doesn't mean you have to keep that multi-generational cycle going in that direction. Do you find that in your work too, that generation differences come into play a little bit? Yeah. And I think even the, I think, you know, even the modern generation has a hard time with letting go of uh, rewards and punishments and shame and guilt and all of that stuff, because that's what was done to us. And somehow it's triggering when a kid says no, or when a kid talks back, or it becomes very triggering for anybody because I don't think many of us were raised in a conscious way 
that's it's just now emerging. And so we all of us were raised with rewards and punishments and to to pull away from that is a big ask. Right. And I didn't think I even knew that I was parented that way until almost recently. I mean, well after I got my doctorate, you know, even just looking at other people's posts on Instagram and saying, "Oh, wow, yeah, that's what you called that." And yeah. that's why your post <laughs> that's why your post resonated with me so much. Now you posted and in the words on the front page of your post, it was a carousel post, and it says, I believe I was my daughter's first bully. And that just, boom, I just, I, I couldn't help but keep stro- scrolling. For example, you then write, if she didn't do what I wanted, I would threaten to take away her most prized things and activities. And you hear parents do it all the time. If you don't behave, I'm going to take away your iPad or no more TV for the rest of the day. It's just an instinctual go-to, Right. I'm going to keep going. If she makes a mistake, I would shun her and withdraw my love as a way of showing her how much control and power I had. Now, that's something my mom did to me. If she was mad at me, she let me know it and she would give me the silent treatment Mm -hmm. until I knew better or at least until she thought I knew better, right? Uh, And you keep going on and on. Will you share a little bit more about that post and, you know, yeah. What it does to kids when we shame them, when we isolate them, when we reprimand them, when we even yell at them, you know, thinking, yeah. oh, well, listen to me if I raise my voice. What yeah. does that do to a child on the other side from their experience? I mean, so many things. And I think the one thing that we were talking about before we got on here is that it really has a physiological effect for them. You know, the brain has enough, when a kid feels scared or anybody feels scared and you're pushed into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, it does something to your body. You know, you're preparing for fight or flight. Your your whole body is, the chemicals start to, you know, release and you're preparing to 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 protect yourself. And part of that is your thinking brains goes offline because all of the energy is gone to your amygdala and that amygdala is trying to keep you alive. Well, you don't make good choices when that happens and you're not in your right mind and living with, you know, large degrees of cortisol or adrenaline or whatever can't be good for your heart, can't be good for your system. And if you're in that, if you're in that, you know, state often, it's not a good way to live. So if you're, you know, it's like, oh, well, I just took his iPad away. Well, if you took his iPad away in, at breakfast and then you put him in timeout, you know, before lunch and then after lunch, you yelled at him. And then before bed, you know, you've given him, he can only do this if you've given him a, ro- a reward. It's like again and again and again, we're putting our kids in this space that is it isn't calming. It's not relaxing. They're not resting in their brain. They're not resting in their body and therefore they can't make good decisions. Right. And and that's that's a hard state to be in. I feel like I was in that state probably most of my childhood, but I didn't know it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I didn't I didn't no. know how to put a finger on it. It's like that hidden trauma. I've talked about on another episode before about your hidden traumas that you didn't know you had. You know, people say, oh, you have all these little T traumas that you grew up with, you know, constant invalidation and, you know, isolation from being ignored and constant reprimanding because I was always did something wrong in yeah. my, you know, especially my mom's eyes. And I didn't, I didn't know. I just thought that's what parents did. I mean, or that's just how you were raised. But then I noticed I was in this constant 
state of anxiety and almost walking on eggshells yeah. because you don't want to make your parents upset. If anything, you're, you're trying on overload. You're trying to make them happy and make them proud. Well, something I have to do or something I'm going to do is going to make them happy with me and make them proud of me. And you're constantly trying yeah. to do that, but you're always, you're being shut down so often yeah. because almost nothing you do is going to be good enough because- Or you go to the other way, which a lot of strong-willed kids will go, they'll just go complete fight. Everything you do, they're fighting you because they're in this state and they're also resentful and and mad at you deep down, right? They don't know they are, but they're mad at you and they don't want to do what you say. And they don't want to listen to anything that, you know, that, that you're trying to convey to them because they're angry and resentful. And so they go to fight. They'll just fight you on everything. Yep. And then they start rebelling. And of course, then they come, I mean, when they're little, you know, the meltdowns, the tantrums, you know, the aggressiveness possibly. And then when they get older, the more rebelling, running oh, away, you know, all the different things that you've seen. Lying. You know, with lying. lying. Yeah. Exactly. Risky behavior. That's what I say too. Like punishments and, and parenting this way as a, the bully really does put your kid in dangerous situations because one, they're not using their brain and they're not able to think well. And also it pushes them into risky behavior if they're that kid, right? If they have that temperament where they just want to do whatever you say not to do because they have that counter action that they want to create, then you're putting them at risk. Exactly. And I don't know if you experience this, but I feel like I get this a lot too, where, you know, I I work with children and parents, but, you know, with, with children who will say to me, oh, I'm such a bad kid. I got in trouble today. I'm such a bad kid. And I make that differentiation of you're not a bad kid. You made a bad choice or you could have made a better choice. And I try and change the language a little bit and change their image around themselves because they, they put themselves in that, that little pigeonhole right? Where they just think everything they do is wrong. No one likes them. All the teachers don't like them. Their parents don't like them. Oh, Kim, it makes my heart hurt. I know. I know. (laughs) But it's, I see it so often. And some of these kids, especially in school, it happens at home too, but especially in schools too, I see it where children get reputations at a very young age. And then they're quote unquote, you know, the the trouble kid or the, the problem child. And, oh, I don't want that child in my class because all they do is cause trouble or this or that. And it is, it's heartbreaking, but they get the reputation um, or you hear parents say it too. I've heard parents say it. Well, they'll say, oh yeah, you know, my second one, they're always getting in trouble and they're describing them to other people and actually kind of putting that on them that, that they're a problem child or that they're really hard to parent or things like that. So what are some things we can do as parents? If we, if we get caught up in that, if we mindfully look at how we're parenting our kids, what we're saying to our kids, how can we take a step back and say, oh, I didn't even realize I was shaming my child or I didn't even realize I was bullying my child. Yeah. How do we come to that awareness first of all? And then maybe what can we do about it? Once we come to that awareness, how can we change that language and change that behavior as a parent? That's a good question. You know, I think it comes down to this idea that behavior is communication. Behavior is not something that a child does intentionally to make us angry. And I think that goes back to our own childhood, that our parents probably believed and acted in those ways, that they thought everything we did was a personal attack on them and that we were ruining their lives or ruining their peace or whatever it was. And so we were responsible for our parents' feelings. And somehow we pulled that generational trauma back to our kids that our kid is responsible to take care of our feelings and our kid is responsible to keep us happy. And that if their behavior is not good enough, then that deeply affects us. 
But what we have to do, and it's so hard, is we have to parent at 30,000 feet. You have to say the kid who hit me or the kid who hit their brother or whatever, it cannot bother you to the place where you want to punish. You have to get to a place where you're okay with misbehavior and that it's just a communication that something deeper, some disconnect, either the child with themselves or a child with their caretaker, some a disconnect is happening and we can fix it with connection. We really can. Every single time it can be fixed with connection. We don't I, I have agree. to punish. I agree. And it's actually, it's, it's interesting you say that because a lot of times when a client first comes to me and says, my child's been acting up, you know, there's no diagnosis really. It's a more just misbehavior, maybe right. talking back, hitting kids at school, hitting their siblings, whatever it is. And my, one of my first questions is how much time do you spend with your child? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, almost assign, if you will, date nights where they take yeah. their child out and connect with them and they'll say, oh, they're just attention seeking. There's, they're just being manipulative. Yeah. And I come back, well, no, they're just trying to connect with you. They're, they're trying to have a relationship with you. And they're, maybe they're trying to get your attention by doing these, these awful things to their siblings and to you because they're trying to reach out. They're desperate for your affection. They're desperate for you to see them and to love yeah. them. And, you know, and then you'll almost see almost immediately that the child's behavior starts getting better when the parent yeah. takes that time to connect with them. You know, and I think that's such an important point. Like one-on-one -on -one time is great. I also would say like connection can be built in almost every interaction that you have with your child. It doesn't have to be this big, like a lot of working moms will say to me, like, I don't have time to connect. I'm like, you know what? It's not about how much time you spend with your child. In fact, if you never did special time with your child or special dates or whatever, you can have a beautifully connective relationship because what you're, what you can do is don't do things to erode the connection, like yell, punishments, bribes, threats, blame, shame, all of, just taking away all of those things and loving your child unconditionally is one of the biggest and most connective things you can do. Yeah. And I'm big on validation. If a yeah. child's upset and, and, and does yeah. something wrong, empathy, yeah. empathy and validation, I think, yeah. goes such a long way. Huge. You know, and it could be for anything. Like a lot of this is the classic one I get. My child is always upset when they don't get their own way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no duh. So right. am I. <laughs> I was gonna say, who okay. is it? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't get my own way recently, and I was having a temper tantrum <laughs> of all of colossal levels. And uh, right. yeah, and so when your kid doesn't get their own way, they get to be mad. Sorry, everybody. When they don't get the ice cream, they get to be upset. When they don't get to watch TV, they're allowed to have their feelings. And we say, I know it's so hard man, we didn't get to get the ice cream today. It's such a bummer. I totally understand. I'm right here. And you let them melt all the way down for as long as they need to. And I think that's where people get confused. They're like, no, 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 no. I can't have them have these feelings. They can't be upset. And if you just come with empathy, that tantrum, that, that episode becomes a completely connective experience. And so it's like, you don't have to do these special things. They're sitting right in front of you. You just have to grab onto them. Exactly. And then you'll hear parents say, you're fine. You're fine. Let's yeah. just move on. You're going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. And they, you know, minimize it, which almost minimizes the children's emotions, you know, from yeah. my perspective. And, you know, you, you ask parents to, um, 
you know, let them have that space. Like you said, like let them melt, you know, and, but you'll hear parents stop because I think it's hard for parents to see their child suffering. Right. It's also hard hard. for us. It's like, I don't want you to suffer. You can have the ice cream next week. (laughs) It's okay. We'll get chocolate when we get home. Like, you know, it's like you are doing everything you can because you don't want your kid to have your feelings because we were never allowed to have our feelings. And it puts us into an emotional emergency. We're like feelings. Ah, our whole body starts to get hot. We can't handle it because we've never been allowed to. Right, right. And go back to going back to yelling for a moment. I, I really want to talk to you about that because I feel like I see often that at least one parent, possibly not all parents, but a lot of the parents I work with, the one of the parents tends to feel like yelling is more effective when it comes to disciplining their child because they feel like if I'm loud, I will let them know that I'm boss, I'm in control, and the louder I am, the more they're going to listen. How would you respond to something like that? I see your face and it's like, oh, it just makes you cringe, but... What would you you say to a parent like that? I think they're right, actually. I do think it makes kids listen for a time, for a period of time, but at what cost? You know, a kid might listen because you're scaring them, right? You're putting them into their amygdala, right? You're really, you're frightening them so that their body responds in a way where they're like super paying attention because they think they're in danger. But if you, you know, like we said at the at the beginning, like if you keep putting your kid in fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, or whatever, in this alert state, in their amygdala over and over and over again, it's really hard on your, actually your physical body, your heart, your lungs, you know, that, that can't be good for you to be in alert all the time. So, and, and as effectiveness, yeah, I think it works for a while while you scare the kid. Pretty soon though, they get immune to it as they get older. And I've seen a lot of kids who just start yelling back. So now you have this screaming household and now they're putting you into your, you know, fight, flight, or freeze and, and they're putting, and you are putting them in. And so everyone's totally disengaged and can't, can't communicate because they don't have their reasoning brain engaged at all. And so everyone's a mess. Right. Yeah. And I do, like you said, I I agree. Short term, there's a lot lot of parenting techniques that work short term. Punishment. That have long term detriments or long term damage, you know, as as it goes on, right? That being one of them. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And then I want to talk to you about the detriments of color charts and reward charts, whether you use them at home or at school, and then some of your best tips before we end the show. Perfect. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay, so before we started recording, you and I were chatting a little bit about how color charts and reward systems are used in schools. And I know they're used in homes too. So this, you know, especially now that there's so many more parents homeschooling and things like that, they may may use something similar. And in my personal experience, especially with little ones who are, you know, newly to schools, their first experience in the school, they're maybe five, six years old. 
And their teachers are using these color systems where if whoever's listening at home can kind of picture this, if you have a young child, you may, you may have experienced this yourself, but all the kids come to school and they start off on one color. Let's say it's green. And then if they get in trouble one or two times at school, they get put on yellow, which is kind of a warning color. And then if they do even worse, they get put on red, which might mean you go to the principal. And if you're really good, better than what green is when you started off with, you might get to be at blue or purple or something above, which is rare and hard to get, even though yellows and the and the, the more punishment colors seem to be given out more often than, let's say, the, the positive ones. So what do those colored charts do to children when it comes to... Um, you know, their self-esteem, you know, it, are those shaming? Cause you're, you're calling them out in front of their peers in front of the whole class. And I feel like they start getting reputations. Is, is that what, what they're, what they're used for? I mean, I mean, that, I don't think that's the teacher's intent, but no. that seems to be what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think I was a teacher for 13 years in public school and um, that's what they teach us in our teacher credentialing program. They right. teach us, you know, it's all based in behaviorism, B.F. Skinner. And he, you know, he had lab rats and he, right. you know, he reinforced them positively and negatively. And they responded, but the rats, like, right. our, our kids are not rats. And the rat didn't tell the other rat, you know, they weren't shaming each other in front of each other saying, oh, you got the yellow card. Oh, I see you with the yellow card. No, they don't have complex brains like we do. And, and so it, it doesn't work really. But I guess the idea is that I remember, I don't know if you do, I had to put my name on the board if you got in trouble. And then it was the check and the second check and the third check. That was yep. one of the most terrifying thoughts of my life in second grade. I still remember it to this day. I do too. I do too. And so can you imagine being a little six-year-old kid in a, a room of 20 other kids and a te an all-powerful teacher who you adore and love and all you want to do is please them and you make a little mistake and all of a sudden you've got the yellow card and now everyone's looking at you like, ooh, Michelle got the yellow card and everyone remembers and they talk about it. And I think that's the teachers use it because it's, you know, it's the power of the group. And right. that is very motivating to shame someone in front of everybody. But those just erode the connection with the teacher, especially for those strong-willed kids and rewards, even if you get the, the top one, when you don't get the top one, you also feel punished, right? If you only stay on yellow, but you thought you were so good today, I was so good. I did everything I was supposed to do and she didn't recognize me. She didn't give me the blue one. Am I ever gonna get the blue? Am I ever gonna be good enough? So no matter where you fall, unless you were getting the top blue one every day. And then if you get the top blue one every day, what are you thought of in the classroom? You're the golden child. You can do no wrong. Now the kids don't like you because you're the only, it creates so many issues. I can't even, my daughter was in a classroom that was, it was the um, commerce community where you would earn points and then you would get points to buy things. Oh yes. Yep. And she would come home and she was like, my teacher doesn't like me. I only got nine out of 10 points. And I was like, Oh my God. What, what is it that she's like, well, I have to get the prize. I have to get the best prize. I want to get the big prize. And I was like, what is the big prize? She's like, it's this big calendar chart where you get to put your schedule on it. And I was like, well, let's go on Amazon and get that thing right now. <laughs> We're right. getting it. And now you won. You won it all. 
<laughs> ding, ding, ding. You're the winner. Yeah, and she was like, she doesn't like me. I mean, she really <laughs> thought the teacher didn't like her. The teacher adored her, but she needed to get all the, she's a perfectionist. I need to get all the points. I have to prove that I'm a good kid. And right. It was so stressful for her. Every day she came home with anxiety around it. It was really stressful. So I think it just puts so much stress on these sweet little kids. But the teachers don't know. They don't know. I don't think a lot of them really realize what it's doing. I don't think if they knew that they would do it. And I don't think they've been given the tools to do something else. Exactly. I know. I wish you and I could just do like trainings. We could just set up our own company, do trainings around the country to all these teachers. Oh my God, that would be difference. amazing. They don't, have the bu- they don't have the budgets for it, but it would be great in a perfect world. That'd be great to, to do that. We can that. get a grant. We can get a yes. grant. There you go. It's a plan, but you know, it, but it's true, you know, and I even see, you know, parents doing it at home too, or even in the store, let's yeah. say a child's acting up in the store, they're misbehaving for one reason or another. And then you see the parent shaming them, yelling them in public almost on purpose. So it, it embarrasses the child in front of yeah. others instead of pulling them to the side, or even with, you know, if they're with a friend after school or whatever it is, and they feel like it's more effective if they're getting in trouble in front of an audience versus pulling them to the side and saying, hey, that was a wrong choice you made. You yeah. know, what can we try differently next time or something? Yeah. Um, but you do see it often as almost to teach a child a lesson. Yeah, it is. It's the public shame is very motivating on for behavior for a lot of kids. But some kids will just, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And you, some, with some kids, you could take away everything in the book. You know, I'll, I'll take away your iPad. I'll take away this. I'll be like, fine do it. And then the parents have no trump card. And then they're almost lost of, well, now what do I do? I have those no are parenting my clients. cards left. Those are, that's who I get. <laughs> I get all those people. They're like, we did it all. Now what? Right. Now they need help because- Those are they, all they, my people. <laughs> exactly. But it's true and it happens. And, and like you said- even I was that person. Tools, yeah. We have the tools or we have the education, but there's sometimes I, I jump to something and you know I'm in, a, I'm in a bad mood or I'm, I'm stressed about work or something. And I end up jumping down my kids' backs about yeah. something that I normally would have handled differently if I wasn't in that state of mind. We're human and we make mistakes. And I want all the parents out there that are listening to know that- it's okay to make mistakes. You can make repairs with your children. Yeah. You, know, you can come back and have a conversation about what happened and, you know, e- even apologize or say, you know, I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have yelled yeah. at you for that. You just spilled yeah. the milk on the floor, but I got upset because you made a huge mess that I had to clean up instead of, it was just an accident. I get it. Things happen. Yeah. And I say 75%. If you're doing this 75% right and you're messing up 25%, that's a win. We cannot do this perfectly. And if you need to say like, I'm not parenting tonight. We're putting on a movie. We're ordering pizza. You're going to have, maybe you want dessert for dinner. I don't know. Fine. That's okay. And I feel like we're so, you know, you got to be the perfect parent. And I, I have a book coming out called Unpunished. And I talk about like how I thought I needed to be the perfect parent. And that's why I went to control parenting because I had to control my children so that I looked good in the eyes of society. And it was my fault if they were acting bad. And I got so stuck there that I just started being a bully. Right. And that, you know what, we're never going to do it perfectly and it's totally okay. In fact, it's normal. I love that 75, 25. I think yeah. that's that's great to aim for because we can't be perfectionists anyway. That's not healthy. We can't aim for perfection. We can't be that 100%. That's, mm-hmm. Nor should our children think that we should or that they should. I mean, people make mistakes. That's half of life. Yeah. Failing is succeeding, really. I mean, that's what we're trying to teach them. So as parents, we need to give ourselves some grace too yes. and know that 
you know, we're going to make mistakes. And there are, there are times, I love that you said that, that I just say to myself, I've had a long day. I'm not in a good mood. Let's just, you know, try and make the best of the night so we can go to sleep. And no rules just- tonight, <laughs> everybody. No one is going to bed on time. No one's taking a damn shower. Like we're just, it's a free for all. It's Mardi Gras in my house. Okay, yeah, everyone. My kids love when I'm in a bad mood. They're yeah. like, oh, it's tonight a party night? <laughs> right? <laughs> I think I did my last pa- podcast was called Under Parenting and how I think it's a parenting tool. Yes. It really Absolutely. is. Yeah. Absolutely. And, exactly. you know, I tell myself on my Instagram, I said the other day on it, I yelled and shamed, I yelled out and shamed my daughter the other day. And I did because I, because I'm not perfect and I was being a real a-hole and yeah, I still do after years and years of all this stuff. Yep. Yep. It happens. So anyone who's listening, you're doing a great job and yeah. you know, we're all here to learn. We're all here to, yeah. to, to, to learn new tips, you know, and, and how to parent and how to maybe parent differently. If something's not working and you're not feeling good about it and your children are reacting to you, then maybe it is time to switch it up and, you know, take some of the tips that we've talked about today. Uh, any other tips that you can think of that you typically tell parents when it comes to parenting yeah. your children? You know, I'm, I'm really into this idea of parenting with play and I like to respond to misbehavior, quote unquote, or off track behavior or behavior that's hard with play. So like for a little kid, if a little kid is hitting or whining or whatever, I just say, Ooh, little kids who are hitting are going to have to get a big hug from mommy or Little kids who are hitting are going to have to do a thumb war with mommy or you find your kid's love language and you present that love language in the worst moment as opposed to correcting, redirecting, punishing, or any of the other things. You turn it into connection. And if they're hitting or whatever, you become this physical limit in between them and, and the whoever they're hitting. Or if it's you, you put the physical limit by hugging. And you stop the behavior, but you're doing so with zero shame. Right. As a play therapist, you know that I absolutely love what you just said. <laughs> Even more reason for us to tour the country and uh, you know, change the world together. Classrooms, I would be thumb war. Everybody's doing thumb wars. Every teacher, steering <laughs> contests, we're, we're doing it. Totally. I love it. Michelle, yeah. you've had such great tips today. I absolutely Thank loved you. talking to you. Where can people find you online to uh, either do some consulting with you if they want to be a client of yours and or um, just get your tips online? Yeah. Um, I'm Peace and Parenting on Instagram. That's kind of my my little home. I like it the best, but I'm also on Facebook and I try to spend a lot of time there. I'm on TikTok too, if you want to, if you're into TikTok. Um, and then my my website is peaceandparentingla.com. I've got, you know, online courses you can do on demand by yourself, which are great. I have a book coming out next month and I'm always taking one-on-one clients. I love it. Well, I hope people take advantage of that. I hope at, at minimum they follow you on Instagram to get your quick tips that you have on there. I can't wait for your new book. I'm so Thank excited you. about that too. Um, I'm going to be first in line at Barnes & Noble to pick that up. So okay. anyway, thank you so much, Michelle, for everything today. And um, everyone who's out there, please go and follow Michelle. She's amazing. And uh, I think you're going to love what you glean from her wisdom. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. 
And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.